Hi, this is Ivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Tamara Winfrey Harris is the author of Dear Black Girl, Letters from Your Sisters on Stepping into Your Power. Tamara is also the author of The Sisters Are All Right, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America, which won several awards, including the Harlem Book Fair's Phyllis Wheatley Award. Her work also appears in the books The Burden, African Americans, and the Enduring Impact of Slavery, and The Lemonade Reader, Beyonce, Black Feminism, and Spirituality as well as in publications such as the New York Times, Cosmopolitan, New York Magazine, Ebony, The American Prospect, and Ms. Magazine. She is the Vice President of Community Leadership and Effective Philanthropy at the Central Indiana Community Foundation. Tamara is a native of Gary, Indiana, and a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. She graduated with a BA degree from the Greenlee School of Journalism at Iowa State University. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Dear Black Girl Letters from Your Sisters on Stepping into Your Power. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. First of all, this was a brilliant concept to do as a book It's from the start. And I know you did it because you solicited letters yeah. from Black women to Black girls yeah. and got so many that you made it into a book. Tell me about that process and how this became what I'm holding in my hands and the whole inspiration for even getting the letters to begin with. Well, you are absolutely right. I was doing an intergenerational workshop with two friends and I just kind of offhandedly thought, wouldn't it be great if the 12 girls who were part of this got to walk away with a letter from a black woman? And I kind of offhandedly went on Facebook and said, hey, can anybody send me, write me a letter and and send me a letter? Oh my gosh oh my gosh, did women show up? Like I got more than 50 letters from around the world and they were so beautiful. You know, someone sent me a stack of journals to give the girls along with it and they were written on stationery and they had sparkly things in the envelope. It was just so beautiful. And I felt like this needed to be a movement and not just a moment because clearly I knew that girls were going to benefit from it, but I kind of felt like, women wanted to do like there's a cathartic part for women you know now you could see that in their letters i mean everything from the woman whose grandfather surprised her with a car in the front yard to like this bio like the mit woman or whoever whatever with uh-huh. who's like this brilliant woman and the sexual abuse stuff i mean there was like it spanned so many life moments and advice. And it was like peeking into the souls of so many women. I was surprised. So the whole idea behind it was that I hoped I could model the way I think is most useful for us to relate to our daughters and nieces. And that's with vulnerability and love. You know, very often we do th- this, it's like the scolding, don't, don't do this, instead of saying, you know, here's what happened to me. Here, here's why I know this. Here's why I would like you to do this, because here's my experience. 
And even that you pointed out in the beginning, which I thought was so interesting, that some of the tough times that Black girls will get were actually from the women themselves, right? And that you have to caution those women from sort of taking out what's happened to them and sort of passing it along. Tell me about that. Right, because we absorb, and we know this, all women, but Black women in particularly, because they have kind of this double oppression. You know, you hear people say things about women. You hear people say, you know, if you wear certain clothes, you're asking for it. You hear people say that women are weaker than other people. Or, you know, Black girls hear people saying that they're, you know, that they're too loud or too aggressive. And like that stuff works its way into your spirit. And it's something that we as women have to like work to undo. And it just, it isn't surprising that sometimes when we're relating to other women and young girls, some of that comes out and we find ourselves repeating some of that negative language. So it's an ongoing battle for us to make sure that we're not letting that stuff out. And we're instead speaking to girls with love One of the things I say in the book is that we can't afford to look at each other with the same kind of skewed eyes that like society will look at us. Right. Beautiful. And you could have just like put the the letters in here, right? It could have just been letters, but you peppered it with definitions and history and all sorts of other things, even down to, you know, how this cover came to be and the importance of Black artists and young fostering young talent and all of that. So tell me a little bit about how you formatted it and, you know, how you even picked for all of your Know This passages, how you picked what we should know. And P.S., as I was reading it, I was, my husband is my is stepdad to my kids. And I was like, hey, you know, in this book, they call it a bonus dad instead of a stepdad. And he's like, ooh, I like that so much more. Because <laughs> I'm a bonus mom and I love, I love that language. Like, so I gave in to the nerdy little Tammy and me because I was a nerdy little kid. And there's so much in this world to learn. And, you know, some of the women who are super smart mentioned like, people, Polly Murray and Marsha P. Johnson and women that girls may not know yet at 15. And I wanted to give them a window to kind of dig further into that stuff. I also wanted to challenge them to write a letter to themselves because I think self-reflection is really important. Especially last year, I got my 200-hour yoga certification. So I was nice. all about the like self-reflection. It's important. And then I also, there is some tough stuff in the book, right? And so I wanted girls, if they read about mental health and recognize that they're struggling, I want them to know where to call. If they need more information about something, if they need to know more about sexual assault and they don't have anyone to talk to, I wanted them to have some resources. Well, the introduction you wrote to this book was so powerful, like reliving history and pointing out all the things like, you know, people thought that black women were tougher. And so they put us in the field. I mean, the way you told it was just like, oh, I don't know. It was so powerful. So just like bravo on sort of rewriting history from the way that it should be told, really. I mean, this is an empathetic, like completely accurate description of like all the ways that people made these faulty assumptions and ended up sort of like subjugating an entire group of people. It's horrific. So anyway, you're, I just loved how you did it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I worried about that part because I was like, I thought of myself being 15 and going, oh, not 
not history, not, you know, not pages of history, but I hope I did it well in a way that girls will go, you know, when they see some negative meme on Instagram or something, they'll go, oh, that's that, that's that stereo. I know where that comes from. That's not about me. That's about something else. Yeah. You're so funny. You're like, I'm going to talk about history. Listen up. This is important. (laughs) (laughs) But there are all these great letters. I thought maybe I could just read a couple passages that I loved. One is from, who is this by? Celeste. It's dear one. Where is your light? What is the one shining thing that makes you yourself? Is it the way you walk? The way you talk? Is it the way your lip curls when you smile? Do you have a mole on your cheekbone? And then she goes down and says, I ask these things because I urge you to know. Know your light. Know where it resides. That is the key to everything. A dictionary defines light as the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. When you begin to see your own light, that special thing that makes you like no other, guard it. Do not let anyone steal or dim your lights. There are times when you won't feel so special and your light won't feel so bright. There are times when you don't want to shine and you will pray that no one notices you. You just want to fade into the beige background and hide your light from everyone so they won't see you. I know this because I have felt those things too. And then, of course, she keeps going at the end. She says, your light is your superpower. Hold it high for all to behold. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. With love, your sister in light, Celeste. Ah, it's so amazing. Some of these women are so poetic. It's like, I love it. Right? They're amazing. So who are who are all these women? Where they just literally sent them in randomly or did you get to know some of these women or I mean you should have a party for them. I feel like they I I was thinking about that. Like so some of them were like random letters that came in, but you know, once I decided to make a book and that I wanted to cover several topics that were important, I had to solicit some of those letters because it was important that I had a trans woman in and Mm -hmm. I had an executive in and a biracial woman in. So some of them, you know, people might recognize as as writers who are awesome. Disha Filia, who, you know, has this award-winning book out now, Rochelle Riley, who's a, a columnist. But some are just everyday women that you've not heard of. Some are educators, some are psychologists, some are, they're women who just wanted to share something with girls. So nice. Can I read another one about the body image piece of it, which I thought was great? This is from Erica, who says, people will tell you that being active is about looking great or it's about losing weight. But I want to suggest that you already look good now, regardless of whatever size you are. I want you to know that it's okay to love your body as it is in this moment. And I want you to know that there are more reasons to love your body beyond how appealing it is to others. If you are finally able to get even halfway up that rock climbing wall and you break down into tears because it's so hard, but you really made it halfway and it feels that much more possible now, that's a reason to love your body. It got you somewhere it couldn't before. That's amazing. These messages are so universally awesome, by the way. Like just messages from women. I love this whole idea of like women sharing knowledge. I have a girlfriend who every every is it every five years she has all her friends send letters to her daughter. Like, what is it like to be 10? What is it like to be 15? What is it like to be five? I know it's so nice. So every five years I'm writing this girl who like she doesn't probably even she's not like a, even a close, close friend. I, I doubt her daughter even remembers who I am at this point. But, <laughs> but but anytime she asks, I'm like, I'm in. Let me write. Let me let me help. And it's just like I don't know. These essays are like, But isn't there something, I think even from you, like when you're the letter writer and I think also the person on the other end, there's just something, especially now, that's particularly caring about writing a letter, especially when so much of our communication is, 
I'm just, you know, I'm texting. I'm going to answer UK, right? <laughs> like yeah. you don't even type in full sentences. So to like sit down and actually be thoughtful about the paper and thoughtful about what you say and find a stamp. And like, it's, there's some extra care in it that I think is really neat. So true. I know. I love how you were like, do you know what a letter is? It's like you put it in an envelope and like... Gather around, children. I know. Let me tell you about the time before. Oh my gosh. My, my son's kindergarten just did a whole unit on the postal service, right? And they had to write letters to people. And they were and he was just like so excited because he's like, I'm mailing a letter. And he got to put his list together of who he would send it to. And then of course, like they came, he wrote one to his sister and then she got the letter. It was like the cutest, I got a letter from him. It was I anyway. It's something so, so special. And it is such a lost art, this whole like epistolary, you know, tradition that I feel like is falling by the wayside. So I do not get that excited when I get an email. So no, <laughs> and I never save emails. Every so often, I'm like, I'm going to slide it into this folder because this one I'm going to save. And then, of course, like, where do those even go? I ne- I can't. So sometimes I'm like, I'll print it out. But then I'm like, where do I put the printout? I need like a folder. And where do I put the folder? I don't know. There's like no good way. <laughs> I think you got it. Something like there is a universality. Like it was important to me that I centered the experiences of Black girls and women because they don't get centered a lot when we talk about womanhood and girlhood. But I also think that, you know, a lot of the wisdom that women shared is good for any girl, any boy, any, I mean, any woman, like the letter that starts, you are, what is it? Your magic light and stars in the universe. I wake up and read that and I'm like, I am, <laughs> I am magic. Like totally. yeah. everyone deserves. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, for, yeah. Let's take these letters. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't mean to suggest in my sort of talking about the universality that, that to in any way diminish the you know one black woman to a black girl element because that's what really makes this book so unique and so awesome. I mean, I learned a lot of things. I mean, I'm obviously not a black woman. I'm I'm a white woman, and I learned, and I was never a black girl. So when I read this, it it shed light for me on what that experience was like, and maybe some things I hadn't thought about, and that was all also really useful and helpful for me, even just in like letting, hearing about some of those particular things. So I thought it was. No, I think you were, I think you were dead on. Yeah. I think it's both. I think there's power in the direct black woman to black girl conversation. And I think there's universality because there are experiences that we as femmes, we just we just have. We just yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> we even have this whole section on daughtering that was from the Dear Little Sis piece by Brandy and how daughtering ain't easy. We and she's you write or she writes, we daughter more than a relationship. It's a thing we do. We daughter. And I just love that whole thing, like sort of empowering all the daughters out there to like be active in our roles. Tell me a little more about your thoughts on that. I loved that because I never thought of my role as a daughter as being an active thing as opposed to just what I am. And that the the idea that you can choose how you daughter. And then I also love how she just talked about the line of women, you know, kept trying to give their daughters what they thought their daughters needed, which was really what they needed. Like, I thought that was so powerful. And in the breaking of the cycle where you realize that you can be your own self and give your children what they need and then, but fill your own hole and so you're going to be different. I loved that. 
Amazing. Well, I, there are just so many more. I feel like I just wanted to, oh my gosh, the daughter of the engineer and crack addict Two, I'm the child of two parents infected with HIV. I mean, they're just, like all these essays are just amazing. So I want to know more, if you don't mind me prying now, about like you. You said you were a nerd growing up, which I highly <laughs> doubt. Tell me about like your background and and like how we got on this Zoom together. <laughs> I was definitely, I promise you, a little nerdy kid who loved to, you know, when my first book came out, my mother reminded me, she was like, you were always in the corner talking to yourself, making up books and magazines. She's like, that that was your thing. You loved, you loved to read and you loved books. I'm a native of Gary, Indiana. So grew up on Lake Michigan, right outside of Chicago. I have two awesome parents that were educators. My mom is is still teaching after more than 50 years. Wow. And a brother and a sister. And I have just always been drawn to, since I've been writing, telling the stories of, you're talking about race and gender and kind of how they intersect with politics and pop culture and current events and those kind of things. So You know, I have written a lot of essays and opinion for New York Times and The Atlantic and places like that. But writing a book has always been my ultimate holy grail goal in my life. And so I did that in 2015. My first book was The Sisters Are All Right, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America. But this was also like a labor, a labor of love. And I I think when I do this, the first one I felt like was for me because it was for women. And now this one is for, I have three beautiful nieces, Kennedy, Kaya, and Nina. And I think about them and doing it for them so that they can be, I mean, I'm pretty awesome, but so that they can be better than me in the future, which I think is what we all want for our kids and our daughters, that they be better and their path be better and easier. So are you their bonus mom? Your nieces? I or are am, you? I'm 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 not. I'm their cool aunt. Okay. Uh, but I also have a, a wonderful husband and two awesome bonus stepkids, Daisha and Jonathan. Amazing. Wow. You know, I don't view that as being so back to the nerdiness comment. Yeah. Like I was also like that as a child. Yeah. I don't think that loving books and wanting to start and write books uh, and read magazines and all that makes you nerdy. I'm just going to say that. I think that makes you <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, I was using nerdy in the most awesome way possible. Okay, I good. A good. Shirt that has it on there <laughs> that I wear. I honestly have a shirt that says, you know, black nerds rule or something. I love that. I embrace it. <laughs> That is awesome. So what was it like after setting that as your goal to accomplish writing a book? What was that? What did it feel like? Oh my gosh. It was, I just wanted, like, I wanted to cry when that, when the first, like the boxes of books show up, when they send you your author copies and you rip it open and there are all these books there with your name on it. It like, Oh my gosh, it felt like it was like this way this dam of emotion breaking open because it was like I did it. I I did the thing that I always wanted to do. Which is another which is another reason for this book is cuz I want girls to feel that. I want boys to feel that. I want everyone should feel that, you know? So true. I was walking down the street. I live in New York City and I was walking down with my brother, my my brother, my son and his buddy. We were talking about like goals in life. And I was like, 
you know, my goal, my whole goal in life since I've been a kid is to like write a book. And he was like, that's it. You know, like, <laughs> you know they're talking, I was like, well, what are your guys' goals? And one of them's like, you know, I want to be a professional tennis player. And I want to be like, you know, I want to, you know, they had these like outlandish things. Uh-huh. I, like, I just want to write a book. And they're like, okay, well, you know, something that like for me felt so important and for other people might not seem like such a big deal, right? But it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a certain just type of book lover or something, but it just feels so important to do. So I think it like, because it's your thing, I think whatever your thing is, whether it's writing books or tennis or whatever, your thing feels like the the big mountain and the big important thing that once you get sort of like Erica wrote in her letter, once you get halfway up there and you, you know, or to the top of the mountain and you just feel like, oh my gosh, even if to someone else, it's like, yeah, a book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of us are like a book. Yeah. Enough people are like a book that I think we have enough people in this community. So what's coming next? What, what, are you going to do one for boys? Just wondering. After so after I take a nap, <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I'm actually I just turned in a manuscript this week for the second edition, the second expanded edition of the Sisters Are All Right, because Excellent. so much has happened to like women and black women in the last six years. Oh my gosh! Like there's Kamala Harris in mm-hmm. the White House. So I did a lot more interviews because that book had interviews with like a hundred women from across the country. So I did more interviews, um, touched on some more like issues that have come to the fore in the last few years and added a chapter on power that looks at community activism and politics, which has been a space where women are really rocking it (laughs) over the last five to six years. And then actually... Like I've focused on girls and women because I feel like, you know, black girls and black women get a lot of people talking at us and about us instead of to us, which is why I've focused there. And I think black men and boys get that too. And so I hope that there's a black man writer who will take up that banner. I was kind of thinking what's intriguing me now is kind of what happens with senior women, you Mm. know? It's almost like a trifecta, like sisters. I talk to a lot of women in their 30s and 40s. You know, this is about girls. But what happens? Do you come into your own? Do you feel more all right when you are over 60? How does that transition in life look like? I don't know what to do with that, (laughs) but it's just something I've been playing with a lot. No, I love that. I actually years ago, I mean, maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something. Anyway, I was really interested because my grandmother, who at the time was in her 80s, late 80s or something, and she is never stopped worrying about her weight, like ever. And she just passed away, sadly. But uh-huh. like until the day she died, she would like feel bad eating cake and still eat it, right? <laughs> and so I did like a whole survey of her nursing home, like not nursing, her old age home or whatever you call it, and my other grandmother when she was still alive. And I talked to all these women who about their relationship with their bodies and eating and weight. And it was fascinating. And I'm so glad I did it back then when they were both alive and vibrant and whatever, because I learned so much. And the basic takeaway is like, 
if you don't solve your issues now, they don't go away. Like, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but I always thought like, oh, I can't wait to be older. So people can, I can stop worrying about what I look like, you know? And it just, you know, it does, that does not happen. You know, it just like, like if you, if you have an eating disorder, like you're gonna, you know, especially you, all those women who like reported having eating disorders, like they were still like really conflicted about food and even just like not an eating disorder, but you know, just a preoccupation or just like a concern, it didn't go away. So anyway, I love the idea of of diving more into what it, the experience is like for older women because you'll stop assuming that it's any different than it is now. <laughs> right. And that's a, I feel like older women are another forgotten book, like, like a forgotten group. Like society okay. tends to like disappear women when they get like over a certain age. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read that one. Sorry to have gone off about my random article from years ago. But no, anyway, I all, all to say well, I'm interested. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh, gosh. Just do it. Like, I run into so many women who are like, oh, I wish I could, but I don't know. And I'm not that great. And I haven't done it in a long time. And just do it. Just sit down, carve out time for yourself if you can, and and write, and just start there. Even if you never get published, but just start writing. I um, I had lunch once with Tanana Reeve Do. I don't know if you know her. She's like a spec fiction writer, and she said, "Just what if you just say you're going to write a word every day, and you make that your commitment." I mean, you're probably not going to sit down and just write a word. If you bother to sit down, you're probably going to write more than one word. But if all you can get out is a the, (laughs) then you've done it. You've met your commitment. And I think, you know, writing is part of, as women, we very often don't carve out time for ourselves. We feel guilty about it. So making space for that, I think, can be helpful in so many ways, both creatively, but also just being restorative. I found a few years ago, I got into doing genealogy and I found out that my one of my maternal great-grandmothers wrote poetry. So this is a woman who was raising 10 kids on a farm in Alabama in the early 20th century. And I have this stack of all this poetry that she wrote. And so I'm like, and that's kind of stuck with me and carried me because if she can carve out time to do that and thought that was important, then well, then that's something that I'm going to carry forward from Maddie. So everybody carry that forward from Maddie and carve out your time and just write. That is beautiful. I feel like that's another book for you. Yeah. <laughs> Her poems, poems from younger, I don't know. Yeah. I feel, so there's something there. I'll let you take it out <laughs> Well, that's beautiful. And that's so inspiring. I just love thinking about women in the past at all. Like, how did they do their writing? Like, what did that look like for everyone? I mean, so much of that writing is lost, right? We'll never know. I know. Lucky that you have that. I mean, what was everybody thinking? But I don't know. There's only, anyway, back to the files and folders organization. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, also, I'm like, I just, you know, I know how my house is a shambles now after writing two manuscripts in two months, like considering all the load that like our mothers and grandmothers and the cooking and the cleaning and the child rearing that we don't do, well, we do in a different way and we have more help from husbands and things like that they found time to do the things that they loved um, should be an inspiration to us. Totally agree. I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. This has been so nice. I feel like I've been so awesome. Um, So thank you. And I am totally inspired by Maddie and I'm going to carry her with me today. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, have a great day and thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 